When finished, beginning, so to speak, bad pun, because our guest today is actually one of my favorite people of all time, and many of you got to know him quite well back in the prior previous uh, election cycle of 2012, when the former mayor of Salt Lake City and former presidential candidate of the Justice Party, Rocky Anderson, was on these airwaves uh, numerous times to talk about his deep, deep wish to bring justice to the American public and to our way of life here in the United States of America so that it may go even beyond our boundaries, our borders, and uh, be shared with the rest of the world in a way that was governed by the rule of law. So today I have invited back Rocky Anderson, at this point not as a presidential candidate, but to talk about this particular election cycle we find ourselves in, steeped in, as it were, and uh, wondering what's next. And we're going to talk about uh, the various candidates in respect to the particular issue of climate change after we look at the, uh, the landscape overall. Then, uh, after speaking with Rocky Anderson for the first portion of the show, Tara Margolin, who is a delegate for the Bernie Sanders uh, campaign, will be joining us as well from L.A. to talk about her role in what she sees and sense as an insider, and we'll learn a lot about what's going on up to date in the campaign from her. So, Rocky, welcome back to A Better World. Wonderful to have you. Mitchell, it's great to be with you, and I have very, very fond memories of those days. It seems like a almost a prior life, and <laughs> so much it? has happened. So much has happened since then, and yet really in some true. areas, so little has happened, unfortunately. Right. When it comes to something progressive, Rocky, it seems like very little has happened, except we could say the massive magnetic enthusiasm that has been generated uh, by the Bernie Sanders campaign, who stands in rather direct conflict with the standard corporatist types of values of the Democratic and Republican parties. What do you have to say about that? What are your thoughts? Well, I think it's been very, very healthy for people to be so energized around the ideas communicated by Bernie Sanders, but I see a danger if it's just going to be a cult of personality and people are going to fade away if Bernie Sanders doesn't get the nomination and isn't a presidential candidate. People need to see this, and Bernie has said this uh, from the beginning of his campaign, and we were saying it in 2012, this should never be simply about an election. Real progressive change in this country 
comes about through grassroots movements. And they're movements where people are tenacious, they hang in there, they make it clear they're not going to go away, they're not going to give up, and it, it almost never depends on who's elected at any particular point in time. It depends upon the rightness of the cause and the energy and commitment of people at the grassroots to see it through. And if you look at the history in this country, we saw it in the anti-slavery movement, the women's suffrage movement, the civil rights movement, the labor movement, the early environmental movement. Uh, so many great things have come about in this country because people have come together, organized, and made it clear that uh, things have to change and they have to change permanently. And the kinds of things that Bernie Sanders has been talking about are exactly the kinds of of issues that should be at the core of a major people's movement in this country without regard to political partisanship. I agree completely. It has to transcend elections, as you say, or personality cults for that matter, as you well put it. I mean, this is not about a person. This is about a movement and a an embracing of a set of values. That's what I really hear you saying, Rocky. And that, that exactly that has to continue yeah. to move forward like a shark without uh, stopping because of a given election cycle or has got little to do with it, actually. That's exactly right. And uh, for instance, why do we like Bernie Sanders? Why do so many people find Bernie Sanders so refreshing? And why has he motivated people like here in Utah? It was unbelievable, Mitchell. What people like? standing in line for the Democratic Caucus, which was, by the way, was open to, to everybody, including so it was an independents. Old, what's called an open caucus, then, right? An open yeah, primary it, caucus. Yes. Yeah. And some of us would call it Democratic primary with a small d. Uh huh. That <laughs> it was open to the people, and he got about eighty percent of the vote. Oh my! Gosh. With people standing in line for three and a half hours. I was standing there. It started raining. It was cold. And we all hung in there because we saw the importance of letting our voices be heard. But again, why is it that we find him so popular? I mean, he's he's a wonderful, very charismatic figure, all of that. But it's because of what he stands for. He stands for integrity. He stands for ending this huge divide between the very wealthiest and everybody else in this country. He stands for getting back to the idea that people should get a a free or at least a highly affordable education without going into major debt simply to be a college student. Mm -hmm. Uh, He has talked uh, a lot about us not interfering in the affairs of other nations. Unfortunately, I don't think he's addressed that as much as he probably should. Yes. But uh, we certainly see in Hillary Clinton a, a, a total warmonger. So I, I don't think there's been a war that's come along since she's been in public life that she didn't love and enthusiastically embrace. She voted for the Iraq War. And she not only cast a vote, it wasn't like she was just passive and she cast a vote. And, and by the way, without ever bothering to read the national intelligence estimate, 
that uh, discloses the huge disagreement in the intelligence community regarding about what was known about the lies being told mm-hmm. by President Bush. She helped perpetrate and perpetuate yeah. those lies. Yeah. She, she, she was uh, aiding and assisting the Bush administration in misleading the American people about that. And then, of course, she had a disastrous record as Secretary of State. Do you think that she did that knowingly, Rocky, at the time of the uh, Iraq War? Well, if if she didn't do it knowingly, she did it knowing that she hadn't even bothered to find out the facts that were there for her to read in that National Intelligence Estimate. But Senator Bob Graham went down and read that document. It was in a secured room in the Capitol building, and they were all told it was available for them to go read. He went and read it and told his colleagues in public, and you can Google this, you can find it immediately. He said, if you don't read this and you depend upon the executive summary and then you vote to allow this president to go to war, Blood will be on your hands. Mm. And blood is on Hillary Clinton's hands, and I must say John Kerry's hands as well. Isn't it interesting that our president, President Obama, ran and he was perceived as being the anti-Iraq war candidate? Yes. And yet, when he was in the Senate, he supported all the funding for the Iraq war. And his two secretaries of state, were both people who were in the Senate who voted for the Iraq War, neither of whom ever bothered to read that national intelligence estimate. It's just amazing how short, uh, first of all, how how short short memories are and how short attention spans are in the Democratic Party because we've got all these people saying, oh, yeah, we believe in, in greater economic uh, opportunity and an educational opportunity and in doing away with this divide between the very wealthiest and the rest. We believe in supporting working men and women and their families. We believe in staying out of these vicious, heinous, imperialistic wars where we're just ripping off the assets of other nations. And then all these people line up behind a Hillary Clinton who's been on the side of Wall Street, on the side of the Walmart. Uh, 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 well, yeah, she was on the board of Walmart. Well, when they were fighting the unions, never stood up for the unions at all during those fights. Has uh, been on the side uh, of the uh, not only the the, and I don't call it defense. It's really war manufacturers, the people that profit so much from the wars. Yes. And uh, really indistinguishable from the Republicans in the area of supporting the financial institutions who have ripped us all off and the military-industrial complex. And, Absolutely. Well, it, Eisenhower first termed it, and I think we need to start calling it this, the way he first termed it, and that is the military-industrial-congressional complex. Right. Because these folks vote for these projects, even if they know it's a total waste of money, just to send back the bacon to their home districts. And it happens time after time. And I highly recommend the book, The American Way of War, for anyone who wants to get a a really great picture of how all this has happened. The American Way of War, and that is by whom? 
Um, oh my gosh, it's just escaping me. It's a documentary filmmaker. Okay. Uh, he, he he did the film on on the same issue, and then he became uh, so concerned about getting the word out and wanted okay. to get into more detail that yeah. he he wrote the book. But it's the American Way of War. Okay, fine. I will. Uh, we will get that information to our audience. Oh, it looks like it's Russell Wegley. No, no, it's uh, American Way of War: A History of United States Military Strategy and Policy. Yeah. Um. But so maybe it's a book by a different author, same name. Starts author. with a J. I'm so sorry. It's, it's okay. escaped Not me, a but, problem. We'll, but, it, it, we'll but it's so eye-opening about how wasteful projects, these projects like fighter jets that are completely obsolete, yes. will continue manufacturing them, repairing them, maintaining them, flying them in exercises solely because the contractor, they know what they're doing. They go into to the majority of congressional districts and subcontract out to people in those districts so that they get part of the largesse coming out yeah. of the United States Congress. And then these Congress people, like Rob Bishop from Utah's first congressional district, vote for them because they keep people employed and there's so much money that flows into these projects. Well, Hillary Clinton has been a part of that entire corrupt process. Yeah. And then as Secretary of State, what did she do? Did, did we go to Congress for declaration of war against Libya? Did we go to the Security Council of the United Nations? No, we just went in and bombed him. And then President Obama has stated explicitly that it was the biggest mistake of his presidency to do that without a plan for what was going to happen later on, and now we've left Libya tragically, a completely failed, lawless state. And that was on Hillary Clinton's watch. That's right. Not oh, more than God. watch, she was very much the architect of the entire Libyan debacle. And yeah. not to mention what happened in Honduras, which I'm sure you're aware about. Uh, of course, she supported the coup. It was a completely illegal coup. Uh, under both their own domestic and under international law, she supported it. So as it's just a, it's just appalling how, lawyer, how little regard for the rule of law as these a lawyer, people have. She and John Kerry both. I'd like to ask you two main things. One is, um, in your capacity as both uh, with a background in politics, mayor, presidential candidate, and in law being a leading lawyer that you are, largely uh, humanitarian and environmental activity that you have uh, engaged as mayor and lawyer. What do you, I'd like to ask two things. One has to do with the legality of the current election cycle with the primaries and the caucuses and, and vote counting the way it has been going on in New York Nevada was a big problem. There were a few other states where there were some major issues. I'd like to hear you weigh in on that. And then the most formidable part of what we're dealing with in looking at these various candidates is the question looming in the foreground of all of our lives is climate change. And there's really only one candidate on the scene who is unfortunately losing a bit right now, um, that 
at, even discusses it and actually has it as a major plank of his platform. Needless to say, that's Bernie Sanders. Could you address first the legality of what you have been witnessing, number one, uh, with this, with the whole primary caucus situation and then and, and delegates slash superdelegates and then the issue of climate change? Well, the, the Democratic Party does not believe in a democratic process. And uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz has made that very clear, not just in what she's done, but in what she has explicitly said. She talks about superdelegates as meaning that the leaders in the party can keep things under control while allowing this great diversity of people, the delegates, to come to the conventions. What, what a condescending, so in other words, hypocritical who statement. Who, who, how did the entire uh, matter of superdelegates begin, and who, the, who done it? The Democratic Party did it after McGovern. They want to make sure that good progressives within the party weren't ever able to nominate another candidate like George McGovern because they felt that they knew better than the people about who could win or lose an election. Uh, it, it, it really is, it just reeks I mean, of the, the greatest arrogance and elitism. Exactly. The biggest slap in the face of a democracy right there. Exactly. So, so they put the system in place so that their so-called leaders can control the outcome while uh, giving this sort of pretense uh, of democracy to the whole system so that they can say, oh, look at all these thousands of people that are elected at the grassroots level and come to our conventions. But it's rigged. It's rigged from the get-go. And I don't think anybody should stand for it. And I'll tell you how bad it is. Uh, in Utah at the Democratic Convention, there were Bernie Sanders supporters who wanted to get to the microphone to make a motion that they change the bylaws to provide that. Did you say in uh, Utah super, or Nevada? This is in Utah. Okay. That, 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 that the superdelegates vote according to how the votes in the caucuses came out. That is, if Bernie Sanders won, and he did by about 80%, then the superdelegates needed to vote for Bernie Sanders at the National Convention. They were going to propose that as a, as a bylaw. Yes. According to all the rules, and, and bylaws are to be considered this year, should have been considered this year, and they tried to, they weren't even allowed to get to the microphone, let alone to make their motion. It was unbelievable. I, I wasn't present because, as you know, I quit the Democratic Party years ago. Yes. Uh, but the stories I hear about this is absolutely shameful. And who is controlling who held the microphone? Uh, as I understand it, the person at the podium at the moment was one of the superdelegates committed to Hillary Clinton. I see. But uh, there, there's also the whole question about uh, all these billionaires putting money into state parties and essentially buying state party support for Hillary Clinton's nomination. Mm. And this whole thing is rigged yes. to the hilt. Yes. And, and I, I would urge people, you know, just follow your conscience. Nobody owns your vote. 
don't buy this lesser of the two evils nonsense anymore or nothing will ever change. If you don't like what you're seeing in that party as being part of this corrupt duopoly that simply steps up and does the bidding for Wall Street and the military industrial complex at every turn, leave the party. Let's find a different way. And by all means, whatever you do in terms of your partisan partisan participation in politics, if you're going to belong to a party, at least be part of the movement to clean all this up. Clean up the presidential debate commission. You know, that was created by the two parties. The yes. Republican and Democratic chairs got together and they said, we have got to get rid of the League of Women Voters control over this process because how dare they? They allow third party or independent candidates on the stage like they did uh, John well John Anderson. John Anderson. Uh, they allowed John Anderson on and Jimmy Carter wouldn't is the incumbent president wouldn't even show up for the debate because they had the audacity to allow an independent candidate who is so popular and had such refreshing ideas is John Anderson to appear. Uh, we will never see fundamental change until we clean up the political system, until we make ballot access uh, a possibility for independent third-party candidates well, you across remember the country. what you went through, Rocky, when you were running for president and what it was like to get on the ballots of different states as the Justice Party candidate? It was that a was nightmare. It was, a, it nightmare. was a nightmare, and we and we only got on in about 15 states, and in several of those states, it was because there were other parties who were grandfathered in yes. that nominated me as their candidate. So the Progressive Party or the Natural Law Party or yes. the Independent Party, party. Uh, in in several states. So yeah, it was, and we put a lot into it, but we didn't have millions of dollars to no. throw at this, and it shouldn't take that. You yeah. know, we go over to Eastern Europe after the breakup of the Soviet Union. And we dictate to them in the Helsinki Accords and, and all the protocols. This is what you need for a democracy. And one of the things we said is you must allow the independent formation of political parties and equal opportunities for political participation. So we're telling them that's what's required to have a democracy and in this country, the political duopoly, the Republican Democratic parties, do everything they can to keep to people exclude. out, to keep them off the stage during the debates, to keep them from getting on the ballots in so many states. And then, of course, the spending is so obscene. Yeah. I, I was in Nicaragua uh, right after the overthrow of Somoza and during this, when the Sandinista administration uh, was opening up elections. There were seven parties from the far left to the far right. They allowed free and equal television and radio time for all seven parties and their candidates. Mm. Isn't that amazing? Yes. And in this country, we've never come yes. anywhere close to that. And whenever it's proposed, of course, the media goes crazy. Yes. And when John Dean proposes uh, that we stop the consolidation of the of the ownership of the media, which Bill Clinton is largely responsible for, he's absolutely massacred by the media. That's when that whole thing about they call it the the, 
the, the Howard Dean scream. It wasn't a Howard Dean scream at all. It was a directional mic. Oh, and if Howard you saw Dean. what he was doing, what did I say before? John I'm sorry Dean. If I John Dean. No, Howard Who Dean. Who is part oh, of Nixon's group. <laughs> no, no, no. Howard Dean. Howard Dean. So yeah, when Howard Dean you. was running for president and he was arguing for decentralization of ownership of the media, they saw to it he was immediately taken out. That story appeared dozens of times during the week following the incident on major news stations in this country. There was one time when Diane Sawyer did a story showing what it was like from the, the side of the audience, Mm-hmm. And you watch it from that point of view, there was nothing odd about it at all. Everybody was real excited. It was noisy in the room. Howard Dean came out all full of enthusiasm and energy and, you know, joining with the crowd, talking about how they were going to go and they're going to keep up this momentum they created. And the news media made him look foolish, mm. which is the one thing that everybody recalls that. Yes. That, that basically uh, ended his candidacy. Well, now look what we end up with. Exactly. With this duopoly. Look what has happened to with... Bernie Sanders as well. I mean, Bernie Sanders, like you said, there was this huge outpouring in Utah for him. And did the media touch it? New Mexico, tens of thousands of people, 10,000 plus show up. Did the media even see it? No. In other words, yeah. there's been a blackout on him, by and large, as well, following in the same footsteps. And well, and the really and the yeah. dangerous moment, moments were in the beginning when they were ignoring him, basically saying that Hillary Clinton was going to be the candidate as if it were a given. That's right. Try to overcome that, and yet Bernie, every time he showed up, would. Yeah, it would attract tens of thousands of exactly. people. It was exactly. it was amazing. That's right. So it shows the power, I think, of social media as well. That that maybe the mainstream media doesn't have the control that it once had in yes. in American politics. Yes, perhaps, perhaps. Now let me ask you about the issue of climate change, which is hardly ever mentioned by any candidate except of course, Bernie Sanders. Uh, how Now that you're looking at the current landscape, first of all, what do you, just your brain, brainstorming, what do you think is going to be happening now? Are we going to have one or two or no content, contested uh, conventions? And what do you think is going to be happening? There's this uh, pink elephant in the air, of course, it's climate change. There are a few others as well, but that's the biggest. What is its disposition in light of our current election? Well, first of all, I don't think there's going to be a contested convention. I think it's the, the, the Democratic convention is going to be very divisive. I think there are going to be a lot of very angry people there because of all the corruption in the primary process. I think there's going to be mass, a mass exodus of people from both the Democratic and Republican parties, uh, and perhaps for different reasons. Uh, on the Democratic side, I think the corruption, the primary process is going to drive a lot of people away. But I think in both parties, uh, folks who 
some of whom have been lifetime members of the parties are looking at the candidates and they're saying, wait a minute, we have the two least popular, least trusted people running for president ever since numbers were obtained, yes. according to polls. And this is, this is what this process brings to us. Isn't there a better way? So um, I, I think that there, I think all hell is going to break loose at the Democratic Convention, and I welcome it, frankly. So do you think simply that, to, that Bernie is simply caving in at this point and surrendering to the no, nomination? I don't think he's caving in. I'm sorry? I don't think he's caving in at all. He said he's going to continue on, and I think that in large part he's doing it because he wants to see a sustained movement, as he keeps talking about. But the, the writing's on the wall in terms of the, the delegates, unless how they're able to turn uh, the super delegates. Well, do you think that he would consider going? I mean, he's been an independent candidate for most of his political career, as I understand. Is there any possibility that he would turn? I know he's been invited by Dr. Jill Stein to join her in the Green Party, and she would, I'm sure, uh, concede to vice president if he would agree to come in and join her and thereby maintain this momentum that the Democratic Party can clearly not withstand and doesn't even want. Yeah, well, he's already said what his intentions are, and I believe Bernie Sanders is a man of his word, and that is that he's going to support the Democratic candidate. Um, what do you think I, about I, that? Because it's going to lead to major think, splintering and, as you said, divisiveness. Yeah, I, I have mixed feelings. Uh, I, I, I would love to see that happen just because it's time for the Democratic Party to implode, uh, but it's also time for the Republican Party to implode and yes. that, that there be uh, new parties, new movements that rep truly represent the interests of the public in this country. And so with that, I'm going to segue into your question about climate change. Yes. Because climate change, along with nuclear weapons, uh, they are the two great existential threats of our time. Yeah. They're a threat to our planet and all of its, uh, all of its inhabitants. And uh, it's a threat not only to us, but to later generations. And um, Bill Clinton, with Al Gore, who wrote one of the greatest books on climate change, certainly, Mm -hmm. For lay people, it's the book that, that first uh, uh, alerted me to the threat of climate change was Earth in the Balance. He wrote it in 1992 before he uh, was uh, elected vice president. Yes. And then we went for eight years during that Clinton administration with Al Gore, of all people, as the vice president, and not one thing was done by our government yes. to protect our planet and its inhabitants from uh, massive climate disruption. And then, of course, we didn't see anything during the Bush administration, except George Bush did admit climate change was happening, that we've got to get away from the stranglehold uh, that oil had. Uh, he, I mean, he said all these He actually said that things. oil was an addiction, interestingly enough. He did say that. He did say that. But then nobody was, nobody was doing anything about it, and we had this 
this right-wing sold-out Congress, which includes both Republicans and a lot of Democrats, and uh, a lot of timid people as the clock was ticking toward uh, irreversible climate disruption. And then uh, we saw President Obama, when he was first nominated, when he first received the Democratic nomination, I don't know if you remember this, Mitchell, but he was talking about clean coal. I remember it because yes, I, I fell did. out of my chair and went yes. in the fetal position on the floor just to, to dramatize it for the people in the room at the time, yes. that how unbelievable this was, that we yes. thought we were going to get some some reason for hope and we were going to see some change. Yes. And this guy was talking about clean coal. Oh, and we all know, no matter what you do, you can change all the light bulbs in the, road, in the world, yep. you can get all the electric cars in the world. If we don't get away from coal for the production of electricity, it's the, it's the game, game is up. It's game over, yep. as Bill McKibben And James said. Hansen has made that clear and Jim for years. Exactly. And, and, yeah, and Bill McKibben. So, um, so how does it look? Obama let, Obama let seven years slide by, never provided the kind of leadership that, that our nation and the world needs. And need. we expect and, it. And it really is up to our nation. It isn't like we're all equals here. If the United States doesn't do it, it's not going to happen. Very true. And uh, I think that this president, although like so many other things, he speaks, he waxes on poetically about all these things. But you look at the bottom line, we're emitting more greenhouse gases than ever before. How about about the nuclear arsenal that's being stepped up by $1.2 or $3 trillion over the next 10 years? So much for his visit to Hiroshima and all of the pretty speech, but yet the bottom line, as you say, is major um, investment in building up and refurbishing the arsenal. Yeah, I I think we saw more of a commitment from President Reagan, frankly, toward nuclear disarmament than from this president. Isn't that interesting? And and they are both existential threats, and they both need to be dealt with head-on by uh, true leaders and statespeople, and uh, certainly we don't have either of them. Cutting off the Democratic and Republican tickets. Let's run the scenario through. What would be the case in uh, a Clinton presidency, in a Trump presidency? And I will tell you that where I'm holding out and I'd love to hear what you have to say about this, that the FBI will finally come through with the, um, with the uh, full report about the emails and the 44 emails, in fact, that were on her personal server, it's been said, uh, that pertain directly to national security issues. And they come out and there might be an indictment handed down. Now, it's likely not going to happen, but it's certainly possible that it happened. And that would allow for Bernie Sanders' uh, ascendancy, so to speak, to the nomination. Your, well, that's the your only point, that's your the, thoughts. And that, that's the only chance we have for the United States to be a leader toward effective climate protection. Um, it, we're not going to see it under Hillary Clinton. We've seen what a political opportunist she is. 
She can't be trusted. The vast majority fracking, of voters. She thinks fracking is an interim, appropriate, intermediary step toward renewable energy. I mean, she's like in the dark ages. Uh, she even said long ago, people have forgotten this by and large, but she said in terms of fracking that all we need to do is change the vocabulary. We need to change the way people talk oh about my. fracking. And as you'll recall, when she was Secretary of State, it was up to the State Department to make a recommendation about the XL pipeline, and she was leaning toward it. She would not issue uh, any kind of report that was negative about the XL pipeline. So what do you see happening? I mean, what, what, is, what kind of future are we looking at here, Rocky? Uh, we're looking at a much warmer world, and I almost hate to talk about warmth because then any time it snows, people, you know, they'll yeah, say, oh, exactly. I'm not shoveling three feet of global, global warming off my driveway. Yeah. They, they misunderstand what climate's all about, but it is because of, of the weather. general warming of the atmosphere that causes huge climate disruptions. Uh, major flooding. Look what's happened in Paris, for instance. The flooding exactly. in Paris. Uh, we're going to see that more and more. We're going to see droughts. We're going to see uh, things shifting in terms of where you can grow crops, where you can't grow crops, uh, where animals are able to, uh, to subsist. We're going to see massive, well, we're already seeing massive extinctions of species. And uh, the world is going to be a far less comfortable, far less hospitable, and far less habitable yes. planet because yes. of climate disruption. Yes. And it's going to be catastrophic. And we're going to look back, and uh, unfortunately, Mitchell, it was during our time on this earth. Yes. That, first of all, we gained the knowledge about what was happening and anybody paying attention knew what had to be done, and that was basically stop burning fossil fuels and emitting these greenhouse gases into the air and uh, stop deforestation. And instead, we've allowed exactly the opposite to happen. Rocky, I'm afraid you're very, very accurate in your assessments, and it saddens any real human being's heart when he or she looks over this landscape, this political landscape, which has way too much power and say in our collective future. You, I'm sure, know about those cases where teenagers, children and teenagers are gathering and suing a couple of states. Where was it? Uh, maybe you would know. Uh, Colorado and another children teenager group I think Massachusetts. in Oregon uh, and Massachusetts. Well, I've heard of a couple of these where they are suing the state be for uh, their their jeopardized future because yeah. of the poor choices being made regarding uh, climate change. It's very interesting. Well, you know those those who use the metaphor of war, I think are. are it, it, it sounds exaggerated, but I think it's absolutely true that, that those of us who continue to do business as usual, those who advocate doing business as usual, are making war 
against our children and later generations because we're putting their very existence, their livelihoods, uh, their ability to live on this planet in jeopardy. And uh, and why are we doing it? We're doing it out of laziness, slothfulness, greed, uh, inertia, whatever the reasons. They're not very good reasons. Mm -mm. And... Mm -mm. Uh, it's, it really is time that everybody wakes up and we do our best. So let me end with this. I, 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 although there, we've talked a lot of, uh, about the bad news and the bad things that have happened, uh, nobody should ever give up. Nobody should ever become so cynical that they don't become involved. Things have been bad before, uh, and it took people rolling up their sleeves and organizing and saying, we're not going to put up with this anymore Uh, at least at the end of my life, and we all ought to be able to say this, at the end of our lives, we did everything we could to make this a better place. And we did everything we could for those who don't have the opportunities that we have to take action to make this world a better place. Well, I'm very glad that you're ending on that note because that is truly the appropriate note to end on. The game isn't over until the fat lady sings, Rocky, and we are forging on even in the face of all of the odds we're, we're looking at. So I want to thank you for your commitment for standing up again, getting back on the horse over and over again <clears throat> in your fight and battle and struggle to bring justice to the world and uh, bring greater awareness to all of these subjects at hand. Thank, thank you, again, you, Mitchell. And thank, thank you for helping get out the word because that is absolutely crucial. Absolutely. We'll have you on again. We'll talk good to talking you. to you. Thank good you. Good to talk to you, too. Rocky Anderson, former mayor of Salt Lake City uh, from the years 2000 to 2008, He stood on a national platform calling for the impeachment of G.W. Bush. He ran for president in the 2012 election uh, as the nominee of the Justice Party and is very articulate and very outspoken about the importance of rule of law, of climate change, and our commitment to it which needs to supersede all types of partisanship. This is a human issue, and Rocky has been one of my heroes in this domain in speaking out as strongly as he has and as he just did on this show. Well, stay tuned for the next part of today's show with Tara Margolin, who will be speaking with us about specifically the Bernie Sanders campaign and where we are right now. We'll be taking the temperature of the campaign in just a few moments. Stay tuned after this. Hello 
and welcome back to Better World. We're now going to start the uh, second part of today's show. First, I want to just say thank you for listening. It's such a pleasure to have you all tuned in to A Better World. We're on every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time and on television here in the Big Apple every Monday evening at 7 p.m. A Better World TV. You are welcome to join our community here by going to www.abetterworld.tv and signing up for our free newsletter, which announces the uh, weekly shows, the interviews I'm doing with others, or subjects I'll be speaking about directly, solo, and a blog there talking about the issues at hand that we need to grapple with and address in order to collectively create a better world get inspired, and uh, carry on the work of this evolutionary moment we find ourselves in. So right now, we are going to pick up this conversation with Tara Mergelin, who is an anti-war activist. She was an Occupy LA veteran. She was a former congressional campaign manager for the anti-drug war activist and her ex-husband, L.A.-based attorney Bruce Margolin. That was in 2012. She was also a key policy advisor and grassroots coordinator for the Marianne Williamson campaign for representative in the L.A. area. That was her run in 2014. Marianne, of course, was on A Better World at that time uh, after she had been on talking about some of her wonderful uh, writing on spirituality but uh, we've been a major supporter of Marianne here as well. She is also, today's guest, uh, producer for Sister Giant Blue America Online Progressive Summit, featuring about 30 candidates running for House and Senate seats this year, which is a very important kind of work. I'd like to hear more about that as well, which can be learned more about at www.sistergiant.com. So with that, Tara, welcome back to A Better World. Well, welcome to. This is your first time on A Better World. A pleasure to have you. Thank you. It's, it's wonderful to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad. Absolutely. Uh, now, you are working rather closely with the Bernie Sanders campaign. Let's kind of jump right into that. Not, not at um, all. Not at all. I am not working. I'm not coordinating with the Sanders campaign at all. I, I, I don't oh, you're think not. that um, – no, no. I, I, I am uh, actually working more as an unofficial spokesperson for an unofficial movement called Bernie or Bust. So, or oh, uh, okay. the Never oh, well, Hillary that's... Clinton campaign. Yeah, Never Hillary, Bernie or Bust. So, um, and I've been, you know, doing some interviews and media around that. And um, oh, and how happy interesting. to discuss the impact. Yeah, the impact that that's going to have ultimately yes. on this. Election. Okay. Yes, okay, well, I, I, um, I understand. So lay this out. Tell me about what it is. I, I was uh, under uh, misunderstanding, so this is interesting in itself. <laughs> so educate us. Well, you know. Bernie or bust. That, um, Tell me. Bernie or bust. Yeah, well, I think, I think that for uh, a lot of people like myself, uh, we were Bernie or bust uh, even before Bernie had announced. You know, it was um, – to the extent that, you know, uh, it's funny, towards the uh, late summer of 2014, I was having dinner up at this uh, lovely home in the Beverly Hills 
with this very wealthy uh, executive type uh, investor in the entertainment industry. And mm-hmm. you know, it was just an intimate dinner with my boyfriend and my, myself and, and he and his wife. And he uh, heard that I was a bit of a politico. So he sort of, he said, hey, you know, you want to give me, he's like, I'm going to give you the inside scoop, right? And that inside mm-hmm. scoop he kind of leaned in and gave to me was that most certainly he could assure me that Hillary Clinton was going to be the next president. And, um, you know, I, I didn't want to be rude, <laughs> but, you know, it was really hard not to sure. just completely fall off my chair with that. I mean, it was just like, well, first yeah. of all, what about democracy? You didn't make it through dessert. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> I actually showed a lot of diplomacy. I sort of laughed and said, if, you know, if we're going to force someone on us, I hope we're going to do better than her. And um, yes. probably wasn't met very warmly with his, you know, by him. But uh-huh. that was the nicest thing I could say at that moment. And, you know, I... I Hillary Clinton is someone that, honestly, at the beginning of 2008, I I went into vetting all of the candidates at that time. Of course, my favorite was Mike Gravel, but, you know, he, he had zero chance of gaining traction in that environment. And, um, you know, when I looked at, at, the, at the three main frontrunners, um, contenders in that, you know, John Edwards and Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, and, and I looked into it with, you know, without – any prejudice. I just, you know, I just wanted to really vet them and see who would be the best person for the job after the nightmare we'd been through with the Bush administration. Uh, I felt so passionately that we needed the right leader, you know, at that time. And um, just doing a little research on Hillary Clinton, and the more I looked, and the more I learned, uh, and the more I, you know, fact-checked and, and looked into it, I just realized that, you know, she really represents everything that I've been fighting against as a political activist for years. You know, and uh, so I had already ruled her out eight years ago, and, when, and and I always knew that I could never, you know, in good conscience vote for her. And then, of course, mm-hmm. you know, I've been a fan of. Do you want to be more specific? Uh, yeah. Could you be sure. more specific about those uh, items that you saw Hillary was aligned with that you have traditionally opposed? As a political well, I mean, to, to start with, certainly, you know, what, what, what Mayor Anderson was talking about with her lack of, you know, let's say intellectual curiosity to the national intelligence estimate for, uh, <laughs> prior to casting uh-huh. her vote to go to war. And, uh, and beyond that, you know, she, um, she, she stood on the floor of, of, of the Senate and repeated Bush and Cheney's lies. And, yes. you know, we all knew they were lying. And mm-hmm. And when, when I, you know, and, and you knew they were lying, and I knew they were lying, and I took my children oh, out sure. and we marched in the street, you know, to, to stop them from invading. And, and you know, and I just yes. feel, felt like, you know, that Hillary Clinton had the, the, the political heft at that time. Had she read that intelligence report and stood on that Senate floor and made an argument against invading Iraq, you know, um, not only would she have been a great hero and of mine and yours, but she, mm-hmm. with, being a former first lady and a senator of New York, she might have she might have slowed that down or stopped it, you know, with her yeah. uh, political heaviness. And so, uh, when when you talk about you know every senator who voted for that has blood on their hands, but some more than others, you know, and you know yeah. and you know and, and then looking back at, further into her history, you know, uh, her ties to Monsanto and. Uh, Tyson Farms, you know, mm-hmm. who, yes. you know, this, this big ag that was the undoing of all the family farms, you know, that, that mm-hmm. overtook our entire food supply. And, and as a result, you know, we've, it's only gotten, it, it hasn't improved, <laughs> let's just say. 
not only are we eating so, lots of poisons and so poisoning the earth. Let's look at this because I, I, I've done some uh, shows on the reasons why Hillary Clinton would be a complete disaster for this country, and uh, it's in so many ways a very uninteresting, very status quo kind of story of business as usual. I'd really rather take a look at what is your um, feeling about and what do you foresee happening with Bernie Sanders right now because you're in a position of Bernie or bust, and it looks Mm -hmm. like to me that Bernie is busting. Uh, Yeah, well, you know what? For him to do anything less would be devastating. It would be devastating. I mean, for one thing, uh, as you you, you and Mayor Anderson were were speaking of, this election has been wrought with fraud and rigging and disenfranchisement Flipping machines, ridiculously far-off exit polls, from top to bottom, from beginning to end, and yes. uh, starting with the six coin tosses in Iowa, you know, and just all the way through, uh-huh. just these improbable factors that always seem to benefit her, you know, um, the the reduction of how about California tactics since yeah. you were. You are on the ground in L.A. and Beverly Hills. What did you mm-hmm. did you witness anything you know with your Absolutely. own eyes I, I, that were? Yeah, I, I did some. I did some poll watching. I did some poll watching on election day, and the stories I heard were were horrible. You know, and and the thing is, beyond even before election day though, we felt it coming here. You know, we felt them purging the rolls, moving the polling places around, reducing the polling places. I got a call from the Democratic Party. I've been a registered voter for 30 years. The first time I've ever gotten a call from the Democratic Party confirming all the information uh, on my registration, you know, which gave mm. me a heads up that they were they were going through and purging the rolls. Um, yes. You know. Uh, and who do you think was behind? Was this uh, uh, De- Debbie uh, Wasserman Schultz? What, well, in England, what was the I mean, force look, you know, behind At the same time that the IG report came out saying not only did she refuse to cooperate with their investigation, but that she had most definitely broken some laws, severe laws, and that she had most definitely been lying to us. At the same time that happens, our governor, Jerry Brown, comes out and endorses her? Really? I mean, I what felt was that about? the I was spin. sick when I heard that. What happened? Yeah. How did that – I've met Jerry Brown in his, uh, you know, his, uh, his home. <laughs> In, uh, I, I had a little. What, I had a little insight to Jerry Brown. That is my understanding is it's his wife. You know, he's just he's very. She's running the show up there, and she's a conservative. And uh, that's that's what I've been told by people who've worked directly under him and with him, and have quit in disgust of the whole situation going on with Jerry Brown. You know, he's big on oh, fracking. Wow. Yeah, he yeah. loves fracking too much in a state where we have massive drought. And of course, of course. So of much course. of our and he's also favoring the large. He's also favoring the large corporate farmers, the almond farmers, and others, absolutely, where they're getting water absolutely. at the expense of the small farmers. Yes, and, and you know, and Nestle, and it just it goes on and on the the, the corporate corruption, and, and of course, you know, we had a wonderful man running for for the, the seat that Alex Padilla has taken as Secretary of State, Derek Cressman, you know, and he was just all about creating transparency and accountability in our voting and securing our votes. You know, a guy like that can't get any support from the state parties. And um, so, you know, with, between Alex Padilla and, you know, the so, whole hierarchy Tara, circled the wagons around If you her. would, yeah. if you, yes, right. Uh, would you just tell our audience 
what did you specifically witness or hear firsthand uh, okay. in the voting on the uh, primary in California? Because it's yeah. such a um, massive state, this was critical so, for Bernie. Okay, so what was going on, first of all, and I heard this from, from coming from numerous sources and numerous precincts, that people were initially, that, that they were sent the wrong voter rolls. So people were showing up, and they had the wrong voter rolls first thing in the morning. Uh, by the time they straightened that out, um, so all these people are being given provisional ballots because that's the only way they can vote because there's no voter rolls. And then once they got the va- voter rolls uh, straightened out into the proper precincts, uh, they were, had not been updated. So, um, again, people were coming in who had registered to vote uh, prior to the cutoff on May 29th, and they were not on the rolls because they hadn't been updated. And, again, they were being get- – so – um, one one case and I, I went to, and it, she, the woman that I helped was actually a Hillary voter, but that was irrelevant. I wanted to make sure that they knew the proper process when people came through. And so she was able to show them her receipt for having registered to vote, that she was a Democrat, that she was definitely at the right polling place. After all of that, uh, they took back her provisional ballot and gave her the Democratic Party ballot. But it was quite – she had to wait around for the, the – uh, supervisor to get back from lunch and you know for her to get the proper ballot was an ordeal and so this was um there there was also you know um there's a wonderful website that's been put up uh to keep track of all these stories and you know it's called election fraud 2016 Mm -hmm. and uh they have been compiling because it's been so, so systemic throughout the primary season every state has just abundance of stories videos uh, there were hearings, lawsuits. It's one after another. By the way, is the Bernie the Sanders campaign people, suing in these respective in, states? In some in some cases, there have been lawsuits from the campaign. Others have been waged by by attorneys and and you know civil rights groups. Um, yes. And yes. there's been hearings. And so what, have been so right now, and yet the last in other words, media doesn't report yeah. this at all. Not one bit. Not yes. one bit. So what yes. we're looking at is, well, I, I mean, I, I think that. When, when, when uh, you know, people talk about, well, Bernie, do what he said, you know, and support Hillary, and I, too, take Bernie in his word, but I think the fact that this election has been fraudulently won means that she is not legitimately our candidate, you know. Correct. I mean, well, that you know, G.W. Bush wasn't yeah. – was our legitimate candidate either. Al Gore won the popular vote, and there is full evidence that he won – Florida as well, with all of the chads and the like. Well, well, not only so, that, but really, you're going to tell me that Pat, Bu- that Pat Buchanan won Palm Beach, Florida? Really? I mean, that's like Hillary Clinton winning Alameda County last Tuesday in in, up in the Bay Area. There's no way that yeah. the Bay Area, where Bernie showed up, and you know, that the massive crowds where people are just historically so progressive and anti-war in that area that they went for yes. Hillary Clinton. I just, so what, I don't so what this means is, what this means is that we have, again, we have an illegitimate nominee and mm-hmm. Bernie Absolutely. is allowing this to happen. Um, in speaking just now with Rocky, he did not think there would be a contested uh, convention and he well, already met Rocky's with Obama. Like They're absolutely... He, he has already said we're going to a contested convention. That's, he's absolutely. But, but he also just met convention. with Hillary yesterday, and he's yeah. already 
it, it looks like he's already allowing himself to be swayed by the pressures to drop uh, drop out. Even if he drops well, out well, at by, the convention, what, what he's still measure? dropping out. I, I don't see him. I don't see him dropping out. He hasn't said that. In fact, okay. I got a text first thing this morning from someone saying, "Boy, Bernie sure doesn't give up." And he is being he is being pressured from all sides of you know the power structure to give up. But I don't believe he will. And well, he's been he pressured won, all along. However, yeah, he if he if he stays with the Democrat, I mean, he has a mass such an enormous uh, momentum of millions and millions of people, young people, mm-hmm. but everybody. And, oh, yeah. and it's, a, it's soon to possibly get diluted by this, uh, this illegitimate nominee who's standing now presumptively as the candidate. And there's Dr. Jill Stein right over here on, I should say, on our left, who is mm-hmm. saying to Bernie, please join us. We can step out of this duopoly and do something meaningful. And you know and I know that this country, the real people, are waiting for a third-party candidate. What are your thoughts? Well, you know what's interesting about that, and, 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 I, and I actually subscribe to this idea that because of the fraudulent nature of, of the election, because of the pressure, of, uh, because of the momentum that Bernie has gained and the pressure that he will be under, uh, I think it's equally as great from his supporters not to cave. Those of us who, you know, gave money we couldn't afford, attended his events, volunteered, people who gave up a month of their life to go knock on doors in another state. I don't believe yeah. Bernie's going to drop his revolution off at the bus and let us find our own way home. I don't believe that for a minute. I believe he will continue to lead this movement. And if that means to the party, to the doorstep of the Green Party, I believe that he will, in a three-way race, he will beat Hillary and, and, and Trump. And what's more interesting, and to me, this is, this is, this is the plan right now, okay? And this is like kind of yeah. like it's, it's under the surface, but it's bubbling. But the plan is this, that we stick with the Democratic Party, those of us who are registered as Democrats, and support Bernie, that we stick with the Democratic Party through the convention and fight for Bernie and the platform every step of the way. And then uh, should they, as the die is cast, go ahead and you know, coronate the queen, Hillary, uh, at, the, at the nomination, um, that on July 29th, we all in mass unregister as Democrats. Um, my Gallup poll back in January showed the Democratic Party down to 27%. And that's kind of a few points because of people voting, you know, in, in mass registering to vote for Bernie. But um, if even a third of the party left, and I believe that that that, that I don't believe that that's uh, a high number. Uh, people yes. are furious. People are not saying well, absolutely. You know, the only people 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 are not saying like, well, you know, I prefer Bernie, but Hillary's okay. I don't hear that from anybody. What I hear from people is okay. I'll never vote for her, you know, and, and, and but you've done shows on it. There are a litany of very important reasons why that woman should never come to power. And those of us who, sure. who are really informed on these issues know how that she is as dangerous as Donald Trump, that she is part of a larger agenda that is devastating to, to the environment, it's devastating to the workers, it's devastating to our children um, globally, you know, and, yes. and so – we will not, in a sense, she could oh, be, in some ways, 
she could be more dangerous than Trump, as you were kind of suggesting, because she's I so wired that. into the she's so wired into the system. She has exactly. her fingers on the levers of power in a way that Donald Trump, if he were elected president, he's such an outcast and so eccentric exactly. in his views. People might not give him the time of day in Congress or internationally, and he would not really be able, or even our own military. They've come out and said yes. such that he would be, that they do not trust him with uh, being commander in chief. That they may not, it would be a stalemate for four years if he were That's to win. That's what I'm saying. And, and yes. there will be an opposition party, as you're saying. There will be great opposition, and there will be an opposition party. To Donald Trump. Yes. If Hillary Clinton, this is the problem. This is why, in some ways, bad Democrats are much worse than Republicans, because as we saw with the, you know, with the Clintons and you know the things that they just they went into the White House and did things that Ronald Reagan only had what dreams about. You know, uh, the regulation, <laughs> the privatization, the slashing of the welfare roll. No Republican could have gotten away with all that. They only yes. were able to get away with it because they had taken over the Democratic Party and sold it down the corporate river, luck, stock, yeah. and barrel. And, really? you know, and, you know and, and when Obama came to power, he certainly could have retrieved the, val- the true values of the Democratic Party. He could have restored the party. But rather yes. than hope and change that we all <laughs> voted for, yes. we got, you know, Well, I Clinton didn't, but era. others Everybody was, was I was voting for Rocky Anderson back. myself, frankly. But, <laughs> <laughs> yes. And yeah, now I it would. In, 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 the, in 2012 as well. Um, <laughs> yes, but uh, let, let's come so, back you know, around to something yeah. that I felt was very interesting. No, I, I agree with you. I know that we know the we sad know, yeah, Obama the story. There was not, you know, he he did not fulfill anything of what right. he and, and again, or very little of no what he promised. Party, so right when, yes. when, when Obama says signs an indefinite detention bill, he gets away with it. You know, if George Bush yeah. had tried to sign an indefinite detention clause, he would, people would have opposed it left and you know across. Just like the, the Iraq War, we exactly. Marching. So, yeah. Tara, you brought something up very interesting that I want to just touch on in our closing minute here, which is the uh, strategy to stick yeah. with Bernie through mm-hmm. the convention, at which yep. time, if he is not nominated, which I still hold out even though it's a low probability. Honestly, I still hold out that there can be such furor, such uproar, such tumult in the convention, and that if the FBI report were to show up, then there really could be a nod to Bernie. In the event that that does not happen, good. In the event that that does not happen, uh, then what are you saying the Bernie or Bust community and others are saying? What will they do? Uh, well, I, I think it would be really interesting if he did take up uh, Jill Stein, Dr. Stein, on her offer. The Greens have tremendous ballot access. Uh, yes. There are also enough states with, uh, beyond their reach of the ballot with write-in access that we could get the electoral votes needed in November. What's also interesting, yes. though, that I was talking about in splitting the Democratic Party, if, we, if they lose even a third of, of, of the members around this, whether people unregister or just vote differently um, without unregistering, if they lose a third, they become a, they, they're no longer a major party. That puts them below 20%, um, yes. especially when you look at the Libertarians. Uh, Gary Johnson is pulling at 12%. They're around 15%, aren't they? What? 
Yeah. Oh, they unless they may have gone up in the last couple of weeks, but uh, my most recent polling told me that they were at 12 percent. And interestingly, Gary himself says that he pulls more from Hillary than he does from Trump. So I think we could conceivably yeah. see the three or four way race in November, in which case the yeah. only, only real threat there, because I believe Bernie would soundly be everybody, whether it was three or four candidates in the running. I agree. Is that we yes. wouldn't if he wouldn't get enough electoral votes to secure the nomin- the, the, the presidency, and then some weird process plays out in Congress. <laughs> yes. Well, how about the Supreme Court selecting like they did in the year 2000? Talk about yeah, undemocratic, <laughs> non-judicial, and illegal. Here is the Supreme Court of the land selecting a president. I mean. That defies every single constitutional measure that I understand of this nation. Yet, it happened. It happened, and not only did it happen, it happened out with a, without a word of dissent from the Fourth Estate, which was my first clue that the Fourth Estate was gone. That, that literally opened my eyes when they said oh, not yes. boo about that. Oh yeah, and that was that was oh, a huge yeah. aha moment for me. And there wasn't um, enough. So think, there yeah. wasn't enough opposition from Gore himself either, from my point of view. Yeah, he sort and of rolled over like a, yeah, like a dog too. I feel also he did. really upset. So Bernie will not do that to us. Bernie's not going to so roll my question over. Bernie is, knows what he means to us. Based on what's that? What based on what? Let's let's just take this into account, which is mm-hmm. that Bernie met with. President Obama, who the next day or so endorsed Hillary, okay? Number two, Mm -hmm. uh, he met with Harry Reid. Number three, he met with uh, Hillary Clinton just yesterday. What does this look like to you? Doesn't this look like a situation to you? Not at all. I think I think he will take a meeting with any of the Democratic parties that leaders that request a meeting with him. I think that um, I think that there's nothing wrong with him taking meetings with him. Why wouldn't he meet with the president of the United States? Uh, what I, but what I, I don't see from him is him coming out and, and throwing his support to her. There was a, a, an article that I read, I, I believe, yesterday about how there's absolutely no intention on the Sanders part of the Sanders campaign to ever share his email list with her. Um, and, and furthermore, if you read the, the, the blogosphere about this and, and the social media about this, Bernie Sanders supporters would be furious if he gave gave up their his list to her. There's no way. She represents Correct. everything that we see wrong in the world, and we are not going to easily let you know. And Bernie couldn't get us to vote for her even if he did come out and ask us. And I see that all day yeah. long too. Even if Bernie came out and said, you know what, you guys, it's, we've got to beat Trump. Let's all get behind Hillary. People would be so upset with him. I think he would disillusion the millions of young people who turned out for him. Well, I I am absolutely in that camp. I understand what you're saying, and I appreciate what you're saying. I guess my my fear of business as usual and the pressure to conform is too great. And Chris Hedges, the world-renowned journalist Mm -hmm. and writer, uh, said Mm -hmm. that he anticipated this moment – when he handed the reins of every his entire political revolution over to Hillary Clinton, not well, because I think he wanted very to. Wrong about that, it hasn't happened. I, that's what we want. 
That's what we want. So do you foresee then, based on who you know and what you know uh, regarding this campaign and this election cycle, that Bernie would seriously entertain Jill Stein's invitation? Because I've got to tell you, I interviewed Jill just a few weeks ago, and she said she's been trying to reach the Bernie uh, Bernie Sanders or Jeff Weaver for years, and she's never mm-hmm. heard back from them. Not once. That's okay, you know. That's okay. Bernie. Bernie is a. I mean, he's a. He's an effective politician. He knows what alliances he needs to make to get things done for vets and for poor people. You know, in the House of Representatives, he was known as the Amendment King. I don't doubt that he wasn't interested in working with the Green Party. I'm not interested in working with the Green Party beyond uh, the fact that Bernie's on the ticket. Um, you know, I'm writing Bernie in on November 8th if that's my only choice, like I did with Rocky in 2012. <laughs> but, okay. Uh, um, you know, and people say, oh, that's a waste of a vote. And I'm like, no, a waste of a vote is when you vote for evil just because you perceive oh, to be yeah. a lesser I, evil. I, I you know, that's a waste disagree of a vote. at all. Sure. Yeah, so I, sure. I, I don't believe that Bernie I, – I think Bernie – I'll tell you what. I think Bernie is just – even more likely to make a, an independent run or accept Jill Stein's offer just because, just because the Greens have such great ballot access. Um, yeah. It would simplify the matter, certainly. Um, I think he's just he, more likely to do that than he is to capitulate and throw all his weight and support behind Hillary Clinton. I don't believe he'll do that. When he says he is going to join Hillary Clinton in her quest to beat Donald Trump, he wants to be Donald Trump. That doesn't mean he's going to support Hillary Clinton because he probably knows what we all know is that she probably can't win in the general election. Oh, and there's also FYI, a little footnote to that. There's a huge community of people and I'm, I'm among them that believe there's a strong possibility that Donald Trump, a very old friend of the Clintons kind of just got in this to screw with the Republican party and ultimately, you know, help Hillary out. So, um, oh, yes. That's a whole other rabbit hole we go down another day. I but, think that's uh, a bit far-fetched. When, when, uh, when I hear him saying such outlandish things, uh, I yeah. kind of think sometimes he's overplaying it and kind of outing himself yeah. as a fake. Yeah. This is not a, yes, this is yes. a savvy businessman. He knows how to close people. And, and just the fact that he came out with so such strong anti-Latino rhetoric right ahead of the California primary, just at the time that Hillary Clinton was sinking in the polls among Latinos. I don't know. It's just, it's all just seems a little too, I don't know. In any event, just coming back uh, in closing to what your own strategy is, and no doubt many of the people with whom you're affiliated is that if Bernie were to uh, not get the democratic nomination and were to join Jill Stein in the Green Party, you would therefore vote there. And if that neither of those happen, then you would write in Bernie Sanders, and many people you know would do the same. Absolutely, that's 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 what Bernie or bust is. Okay. Uh, we will vote, but we're not voting for her. We're not staying yes. home. That's and can you get? Because we are dealing with. Uh, an antiquated system of an electoral college, uh, how would you foresee gaining the electoral votes needed to make a Bernie Sanders presidential win? (laughs) 
Well, uh, I guess we'll cross. It's a good that question, isn't it? It's the question. It's the pivotal question here. Or will they represent the voters? That yeah. certainly is the last firewall of the establishment, isn't it? So, yes, um, indeed, it is. Yeah. It's it's like we'll the superdelegate thing. It's uh, you know it's yeah. totally <laughs> illegitimate in this day and age. Too out of hand. We're gonna right. Exactly. It's like we'll it's, bring you to heel. It's a democracy to that is so out of hand. It's no longer a democracy. That's what it is. And people don't want to <laughs> see it and say it, even though it's true. We're living in some strange right. hybrid of a system that is controlled. It's an oligarchy and it's a corporate society. Is. What it really is, you know. Well, Tara Margolin, it's really been a pleasure to have you on to discuss these matters and bring forth your own point of view and perspective on all of this. I really enjoyed it, and uh, I hope the listeners did as well. So, thank you so much thank for your you. good thank work. Thank you. Thank you so much for and having your me. commitment. Absolutely. <laughs> Take care now. Thank you. Take care. Sure. Tara. Margolin, very outspoken, wonderful woman from Beverly Hills who is obviously very committed to a certain kind of outcome here, which many millions and millions of people are also committed to. It's really, really good to see. And I much prefer her interpretation of uh, Bernie Sanders' meetings these, this past week with uh, those I mentioned from Obama to Harry Reid to uh, Hillary Clinton. I way prefer her interpretation than mine. I get sad, and uh, I just pray that Bernie stays the course. And I think Jill Stein made him a brilliant offer. And the Green Party people are getting educated about it. You can listen to my interview with Jill Stein of just a few weeks ago through our radio archive at abetterworld.tv and see what she has to say about all of this herself directly. Uh, What's very interesting is that the Green Party is getting a lot of traction on university campuses, college campuses across the country. The youth, which wouldn't surprise you, are very impassioned and turned on by her and the Green Party itself, which they did not know of uh, in general, as they are with Bernie, as well they should. They're much aligned. In fact, in many ways, uh, I think Jill Stein has a, a better handle on the international policy picture than Bernie, and I think he could stand to learn a lot, actually, from her is my point of view. Uh, there are some uh, corporatist aspects of his and old world interpretations he's making uh, about uh, international politics that um, I think could use a little brushing up to be uh, gentle about it. In any event, I want you all to just know how much I appreciate your tuning in to A Better World. Visit our website, of course, at abetterworld.tv, and if you want any kind of a coaching, consulting, or to join us in our A Better World, Heaven on Earth uh, workshop, which we meet every other week here in the Big Apple, please go to uh, www.abetterworld.tv for information and to sign up for our free weekly newsletter. So with that said, thank you so much for joining. Remember that we are also a nonprofit 501c3, so any donations made to keep us afloat and thriving is so appreciated. It really does help a lot. 
Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you all next week. Mm-hmm.